It's Attackus Fiber Internet Football Friday on Sports Radio 610. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, here's Payne and Pendergast. I think it's safe to say this is the this is the biggest game since the Kansas City playoff game, the game that the Texans built a 24-0 lead and then proceeded to pee down their leg for the rest of the afternoon and get outscored 51 to 7 for the rest of the yeah, game. <laughs> that was was it 24 nothing? 24 nothing. 24 Seth. Oh, I, so there's popular. a lot of things that get scattered in my brain. I can I know, recite I know, that game chapter verse for you. No, I remember because we were watching at the we had done the pregame show at the Rustic, yep. right? Yep. And I remember I watched for a little bit at the Rustic, and then I was like, "Well, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna drive home for the second half. Nothing to see here." And I think by the time I got home, uh, they, they'd relinquished their lead. They were it losing at halftime. They 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 were they yeah. were twenty four nothing in the second quarter, and they were losing twenty eight twenty four at the half. It was a rough listen. Sorry, Vandy. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a... <laughs> Not your fault. Get out! Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but that's, a you know, going into that game, look, that was a team that won the division, and you had Deshaun Watson at quarterback. And this is, a, this is not as formidable an opponent, the Colts in 2023, as the Chiefs were in 2019. The Chiefs went on to win the Super Bowl that year. Um. But I, boy, I just feel like this team is way better equipped to deal with what that team in 2019 dealt with. I feel like this team is better equipped to deal with it in terms of the head coach. I don't know about weaponry, you know, but defensively, I think this team is better built to to go into Indianapolis and get the job done than that yeah, team yeah, was yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in 2019. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if they were playing that year's Chiefs, who knows? But as far as this actual match, I guess just yeah. trust factor in these guys. You know, like I, right, like I, right. I like I, if they get up twenty four nothing in this game, well, they ain't losing the lead. Well, you got to remember, it was a different spot in that team's. Like I don't know, I don't know if the the comparison is a tough one because that was a team that you know had their franchise, the Texans team had their franchise quarterback, um, had you know, a number of stars on that team. And that you thought, okay, well, let's let's see what they can do, and they just completely and totally collapsed. Like, if somehow this, you know, if this Texans team were playing the a team equivalent to the Chiefs, if they were playing the 49ers in the last game of the season or something, and we're in this situation somehow, um, then and they got blown out. I just wouldn't be as distraught over it because yeah. this team's trajectory is just they're just ramping up. Yeah. Whereas that 2019 team was like, all right, what do you what do you got here? Oh, your defense is atrocious. And then and then what we didn't know at the time was that Bill O'Brien would take that atrocious defense and let a couple of its best players leave and do almost absolutely nothing to try to improve the defense. Yeah. yeah. I guess um you made this point about D'Amico, is it especially for a first year defensive head coach Game management has been one of the strengths of this team, I think. There have been decisions he's made during the season that people have disagreed with, probably. You know, like settling for a 58-yard field goal against the Jags with a backup kicker. Yeah. But I, uh, there, there were no I, – I can't think of a single decision D'Amico's made where there hasn't been an explanation that I haven't been willing to listen to. You know what I mean? I think the biggest, the most – I guess the most controversial, if you want to call it controversial decisions, were the ones – the one that you just mentioned. I think Bobby Slowick – passing at the end of the Bengals game when they could have just run the clock out. They tried to they tr- they tried to pass it. A first down would have won the game for you effectively there, and it was intercepted. You know, that's 
that's a game management issue. I don't know if you blame that specifically on D'Amico or Bobby Slowick or what have you. Um, I feel like there was at least one other thing. Everybody texts in like, the most egregiously bad thing in your eyes that, that D'Amico did. But they've like not a single one has been anything like various, various honestly, flubs that even guys like Andy Reid or Bill Belichick have made at the ends of games. They've really, like, it's been a very, very clean game management uh, 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 slate for the Texans this year. Yeah, and, and and the reason I bring that up is in that Kansas City game is that Bill O'Brien called for a fake punt when things were at their worst. Like, when, the, yeah. when, 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 every, when all the bleep was rolling downhill on the Texans, he called for a fake punt to an injured Justin Reed. Like, he had Justin Reed running the football with a bum shoulder. Justin Reed is safety running yeah. the football with a, with a bum a, shoulder. I have a hard time with that because I also, like, I don't know. You can go back and think about times like, okay, Sean Payton doing the onside kick first uh, at the beginning of the um, Super Bowl. You know, was that – I think in hindsight you would have thought that was just overly aggressive and dumb. But against the – especially when you might be outmatched against your opponent, that's that's – Kind of in the the playbook, isn't it? I think when you're you just given up three consecutive touchdowns, it feels like a panic move, like a, but, like the, the, what, the house maybe, is burning but, to the ground. You know, but shouldn't they maybe have been panicking? <laughs> like, yeah, like there are times where like, okay, it's okay to you should be panicking. Not if you're the head coach, and that's my point. Yeah. Like, I like that's yeah. my point is I and 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 I know and I know the comparison of 2019 Texans to 2023 Texans is imperfect, but my overall yeah. point with this is. I feel like in retrospect, certainly in retrospect, and especially coming off a segment where we just talked about Bill O'Brien, the, I, f- I feel like D'Amico Ryans is kind of made for this sort of game as a head coach. Like if they yeah. get down a couple touchdowns, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to be panicking. I think his sideline demeanor is going to be good. I, I think we can always say that about Bill O'Brien. I feel like we got the right guy for this situation. You know what makes me nervous about that though? I, just even you invoking that moment was that in the Browns game. And it, or isn't the Titans again? Was the the trick plays that the Texans tried because C.J. Stroud was out and you're trying to manufacture some things were some of the worst things that Case Keenum did actually in that mm-hmm. two games stretch. The trick plays did not work out well at all. Yeah. Um. But like otherwise, I think they did as a good a job as they could have hoped to. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I hope for this game especially where you're 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 right. It's not. It's not nearly the mismatch between teams that it was against the Chiefs in 2019. Um, there's, there shouldn't necessarily be as much need for trickery, yep. cannery. Although, I'm still waiting for my flea flicker, yeah, I am know, I not? I, just, I didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> you are. Hell, you, Bobby Sloak. I feel like Bobby Sloak's like trying to personally slight you're me. You're still waiting it's a, on it. It's, a, it's, a, it's guaranteed. Man, how many works. times do you see a flea flicker not work out? Never. Works. That's the answer. It's never once not worked out in the history Should of football. run it every play. <laughs> run a flea flicker every play. <laughs> so it stops working. Yep. J.J. Yeah. Um, Watt, it was interesting on McAfee this week. J.J. Watt, they, they got talking about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, as long as we're talking about the Chiefs a little bit here, um, and about the overexposure. And, and Travis Kelsey has kind of turned into what J.J. Watt was a few years ago. Like, it's hard to go through a commercial break of an NFL game and have Travis yeah. Kelsey not pop up on it's, speaking for something in that break. It's a, I can imagine what Chiefs fans are feeling where it's not like Taylor Swift is just – like you've got the Taylor Swift where people want to call her a Yoko Ono or whatever, which I, I feel is a huge, huge insult. Like, and even if you hate Taylor Swift, like, look, she made herself into a music star where Yoko Ono was just jumping on and calling Mary herself John a Lennon, singer. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh no, she was already a 
performance artist. Oh, okay. Okay, great. Um, so, like, I, that's not a good comparison, but people are treating her as, like, part of the problem. But, I mean, Travis Kelsey in general, it's Taylor Swift. It's all of the extra endorsements that he's doing. It's his podcast. They got to feel like that's a huge part of just, like, okay, this team got too their, – their noggins got too big. You know, Pat Mahomes does that quarterback series. Like Pat Mahomes maybe started to feel himself a little too much. His his body language on the sideline, you pointed this out yesterday, has been almost like he seems like a pouty rich kid. He's a petulant on the little kid. Games. Yeah. 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 Like it's, it's a, there are bad vibes up there in Kansas City. It's just, it's just awful. Yeah. It's awful That's to a shame, see, man. It's, it's a shame. Really, yeah. It really is a shame. Here was J.J. Watt. Because J.J. Watt can relate to the Travis Kelsey stuff, obviously, because he's gone through his arc of overexposure. Here's Watt on getting his first opportunities. For me, especially as a defensive lineman and defensive guy in general, there weren't a lot of defensive guys getting national commercials. There weren't a lot of defensive guys getting some of the opportunities that I had. So we were kind of navigating these waters and trying to figure it out. And I mean, people are throwing absurd amounts of money at you for commercial opportunities, for endorsements, for things. And you've never experienced it all before. And you're you're a small town kid from Wisconsin. Like I'm literally looking at these numbers and I'm thinking about my buddy back home was a plumber. And I'm like, that guy would work 10 years for this number why would I not do it for this two hours? Hi, commercial? I'm JJ. No. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> I'm JJ. Um, um, you know the the uh, the barstool guys, the pardon my take guys were, I think maybe part of the big awakening for JJ back. In, oh, does he talk about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, okay. he alludes okay. to it here. Let's get to that. And then it went from getting all those opportunities to the world hating him for having all those opportunities. I'm reading everything. And now all of a sudden people are like, I'm sick of this guy. I want him off. And I don't, I don't know how to emotionally and properly handle that. So I'm starting to figure out like, oh man, the world hates me. Like they don't like me. Uh, so I got to back this down. And then obviously we had a whole thing with, you know, big cat and barstool and those guys start, which again, I will always say part of that is absolutely justified. Like I, I was, I was a little bit too captain america i was a little bit too like try and be perfect and try and do everything exactly the right way and i did need to be checked a little bit on that and i do appreciate that that it maybe go a little bit too far maybe but i consciously i consciously brought it back i consciously reeled it back and said like okay i gotta i gotta reanalyze this i gotta refigure all this out the interesting thing with with jj seth and the the reeling it back in it kind of it kind of coincided with his body breaking down you know what I mean? Like, it would have been interesting. Like, he, he was almost forced to kind of go off the grid for a while because he played three games one year and he played five games the next year. Yeah. And then he's in the building rehabbing all the time and he's he's kind of invisible. And I, I wonder if that factored in at all. You know what I mean? The optics of doing a ton of commercials while you're rehabbing a back and a knee and everything else. Yeah. Was it kind yeah. of thrust on him? And- and there's time to kind of reflect on everything and yeah. you get your, you get, you got to take your, your ego takes a battering in a lot of ways. Yeah. So yeah, that, that might've been part of it. The, yeah. And the, like the, I, I think the other thing was part of him putting himself out there was meant that he was very active on social media. And when you're very active on social media, uh, no matter how successful you are, I don't care if you're mother Teresa, if you're active on social media, you're going to have haters, you know, and like, so you have to come full force with that and deal with all of that part. But the, like the, the part of my take guys, like their, their, their followers were so viciously attacking him all the time that it, it, when he decided to meet that head on and he went on, 
and did that podcast with them. They did he did a podcast with them because the benefits were going to go to charity, um, which is a really good move. By pardon my take, I, I think that was where, I, like, maybe he started to see things more clearly about just how people might perceive him the way they were perceiving him and everything, and that maybe it wasn't like he didn't feel as like a genuine reflection of himself. So yeah, yeah, there's all those things coming together. The tamping it back was noticeable for sure. Like he was, yeah. it was very noticeable. Last one from JJ. He does point out nobody's turning down the money. Okay, overexposure and putting yourself out there can certainly make yourself vulnerable. But as long as you're being real and being who you are, let's be honest. Ninety nine point nine nine percent of people ain't turned down those checks, ain't turned down those endorsements, wow. ain't turned down those opportunities. Wow. So. Yeah. Uh, hey JJ, that was awesome, bro. Yeah, yeah that was sick. That's the uh, hey JJ. That was like <laughs> I like- JJ would well because it was funny because it was oh JJ like if if JJ did something where it showed he was working out, people would say like uh hey JJ. You know you could have been you, you could have been feeding homeless people while you were working out there or whatever. Uh, they would just turn anything he did into a negative. Um, it was. <laughs> And he talked about how he didn't quite get that at first, and then he started to realize, like, oh, okay, that's, that's pretty funny. I just like the end where the where McAfee and his minions, like, they all just yeah. go crazy over the answer. Like, I I cut it off. They went for like fifteen. That was amazing. That was a great answer, JJ. Because it because that those three cuts were basically one long answer that we cut into yeah. three pieces. Yeah. I like the. Well, I think it was the mullet dude who said that was sick. Ben Ben played the very very end, like the last five seconds. Uh, hey JJ, that was awesome, bro. Yeah, yeah that was sick. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, that sick. That's yeah. a sick answer, bro. <laughs> that's why. No, I'm telling you, man. That's why guys love going on that show. They I know. Make it fun. I know. They're not like they're not gonna they're not gonna sit there and ask you. We're like, so what's it like playing for a coach? That's a great form. Doesn't man. think you can actually throw a football that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a, having fun. It's a great form and they man. and they give that yes, yes, yeah. Yo, oh my God, you're so oh, it's in dolphins. Oh, I yeah. gotta go change my pants. It's oh. like getting a like on Facebook for something. Yeah, like oh my God, they like me. Mm-hmm. Um, JJ did tweet this yesterday. I felt a little insulted. Just did 45 minutes on the elliptical for the first time ever. I respect everyone who works out in whatever capacity you work out. However you choose to work is better than not working out at all, always. But the elliptical is the single most boring workout I've done in my life. Yeah, he's uh, he's still in that mode where if you don't feel like you're going to puke or die afterwards, then you didn't actually work out. Yeah. He's got a, you know, at some point he'll come to the realization of the, 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 the enjoyment you can get out of long, slow uh, long, slow, relatively low heart rate exercise. Find yeah. something to watch while you're doing it. Although, <laughs> although I would say JJ is probably one of those guys. Seth, you t- you tell me. But I, I, my suggestion to JJ would be to do what I do on the elliptical and find something that's to stream that's about as long as what your workout is, like an episode of something. I go when I do yeah. the elliptical, I do thirty minutes. So I find something, either a podcast to listen to, but more often something yeah. to watch on my phone. To, to distract me while I'm while I'm doing the the elliptical. It's JJ JJ. Let me ask. This is my question. JJ strikes me as somebody who has the philosophy: if you can watch and absorb a TV show while you're working yeah. out, then it's not a real workout. Right? Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. Which is the whole. If you want to be in like zone two cardio, that's where you're like you know sixty or seventy percent of your max heart rate. That's actually like a nice, comfortable exertion level where you can actually enjoy like have a conversation or whatever you get a lot of benefits from that but you never want to believe it when you come from a sport that's all about intervals and high intensity because your idea of working out is nothing but like it's got to feel like a crossfit workout or something uh as you get older 
As you get older, that gets dumber and dumber. Uh, now, if that's what you're into, that's what you're into, and that's fine. But, it, like, for JJ's had a bunch of injuries and everything. Um, I've talked to him about this sometimes, like, when I run into him. Like, he, there's, like, a two- or three-year period when you're done playing where you still feel like you need to, uh, you know, be in a sneaker commercial every, every time you work out. Eh, I, everybody's different. I just got to a point where I'm like, this is dumb. This is just stupid. Yeah. And now whenever anybody tries to get me to do anything um, like high, high intensity or something, and they'll start like telling me all about the joys of it, I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I've lived that life. You can go die. I am not, I'm not going on your little fantasy where you can pretend you're in a Reebok commercial. <laughs> yeah, like I felt that. like I was being shamed a little bit. I was being elliptic, elliptical shamed by JJ a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm sorry, my workout's him. so boring. I'm going to send him some research on... Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, we've got to, we got a couple texts here. You pose a question to the audience. Uh, hey, what were some things, some decisions that maybe we were critical of that uh, D'Amico made this year? Because we, as you pointed out, Seth, he's been amazing with game management this year for a rookie head coach, especially one that comes from the defensive side of the football. This is a good one, actually. And I don't know if this this is this falls under Slowick, but everything falls under D'Amico. Allowing the alternating QBs during the Browns game. Putting in Case yeah. for one series and Davis for a few plays and then Case again and back and forth and yo-yoing That's back what, and forth. You know, when CJ had mentioned that he felt like when he was watching on TV that there were some – when the offense had had some good plays and they were called back by penalties, he felt like guys were hanging their heads. I went back and watched the two plays that would have been relevant in that Browns game where Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary both had really nice plays that were called back by, uh, by penalties. And I didn't – I didn't really see evidence of it. It just looked like a normal offensive lineman that's not stoked about getting a penalty. But it was also one of those plays was when the play was called back for a hold uh, after the Devin Singletary run. And that was when they decided to insert Davis Mills. And I wonder if CJ watching it was kind of like a, which like saw that um, the offensive lineman who got called, I want to say it was Dieter, like maybe like he oh no scrug like maybe he wanted to like he would have wanted to say something to, to scruggs and then they come up to the next shot they show that isn't a replay is like davis mills coming up to the line and everything just felt weird it felt really really weird and wrong yeah that that was a strange moment there's something about concerning davis mills in that moment like right after a penalty too um yeah, I'd say that's a fair criticism yeah, of Miko. I think so, too. I think so, too. 